0: Hello and welcome to Seen Them Given, the show that looks at the laws of the game and the referees who enforce them. This week, more pitch invasions. The new handball law leaves some wondering what was so bad about the old one. And there's confusion over an offside at St Andrews that we will get into later. Are you offside if you force a goalkeeper into a hurried clearance? Mike McCarthy, broadcaster and football journalist, just back from the city ground where the magic of the FA Cup is still alive. It's difficult to feel that way when it's your own club that's been unceremoniously dumped out of the competition. Uh, With me, a man who's refereed an FA Cup final and an FA Cup final replay. Not too many people that can claim that. Former FIFA referee and ex-head of the PGMOL, Keith Hackett. Uh, Keith, I remember telling you a story about that, actually. Uh, You're one of a a few referees who's actually got a medal and got paid for the FA Cup final.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, you know, Mike. Uh, there are times when people question whether the FA Cup is dead or it's not there. But the reality is, when when you see, like this afternoon, the the crowd at uh, at Nottingham Forest v Leicester, I thought it was a magic FA Cup game. I thought it was it had everything. And I'm sorry you lost, but but Forest were clearly deserve winners so and, then, and then uh, Kidderminster where there didn't appear to be any space available uh, around the ground and taking the guy, the game to almost penalty kick uh, situation to determine the winner of the game and, and just conceding a goal in the in, in the final seconds um, you know that was brilliant. And then um, the Crystal Palace Newcastle game, where um, in that situation we learnt was it Crystal Palace? Yeah, Crystal
0: Palace Hartlepool, you mean?
1: Hartlepool, sorry, I, I hesitated. The Crystal Palace Hartlepool game, which was again itself another game, Hartlepool taking nigh on ten thousand spectators to London, which which is which is brilliant in itself, and then uh, reading afterwards that. Uh, Crystal Palace and Hartlepool had both made substantial donations uh, towards the fund of the Hartlepool manager's uh, wife treatment who's suffering with cancer. I, 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 you know, there's another side to football, isn't there? That, that yeah. We tend to forget at times. They are human beings. We're all passionate. Just Brilliant. Just on, weekend.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, just so I don't leave anyone hanging, Keith, uh, because at the start of the show I mentioned this. So you got paid for the final and got the medal for the replay or the medal for yeah. the replay and got paid for doing the <laughs> – which way round was them, it? work? I'll too, tell you.
1: It? Well, it was quite simple, really. Um, before the game starts, in walks this FA official. Uh, almost with a clipboard and everything else and and very formal as the FA tend to be and says, right, Mr Hackett, as match referee, you have a choice to make at this moment in time. What's that? Uh, you have a match fee. I think it was £35 and the medal. You have a choice. You don't have both. You have one. Naturally, <laughs> I said the medal. Um, the game, the first game was... A one-one-one draw. Tommy Hutchinson of, not, of Manchester City scoring both goals, and I'm at the bottom of the steps because I've got to go up the steps to effectively be presented with the medal, as the players would be presented with the medal, um, with the Queen Mother. And as we walk up, as I'm walking up the steps, I'm, asked, I'm thinking to myself. If I get the medal, I'm not going to get the replay because this was the first replay of an FA Cup final involving Wem- at Wembley. And as I walk up, I, I sort of did the usual sort of bow and and was greeted warmly. Uh, a few smiles of people around who I recognised from the FA, Ted Croker, one of them, the secretary, and I didn't get the medal. And at that point, I, apparently, I mean, I'm I'm beginning to beam now, as I walk down the steps back onto the pitch, I'm greeted at the bottom with a guy saying, "You've done it. You're going to get the fee and the medal because <laughs> you're going to be refereeing the replay."
0: <laughs> uh, what a good replay it was as well. Um, let's. I tell you what. Should we start before we get into handball and offside and everything else? Can we start with some positives this weekend? Because there's been uh, some some really good performances, Keith.
1: Yeah, I. I you know, I watched. Uh, Sheffield's Tom Bramall, referee at Cambridge. I, I watched that game. I thought he did really well. He's coming on fine, and I, I think he'll move into, hopefully into SG2, this, if you like, reserve list to the Premier League. I think he's mm-hmm. advancing his career really well. John Moss, who I criticise at times, looked more relaxed, as did Anthony mm-hmm. Taylor. And I think this is because they're not under the banner of uh, the PJ you know, the... The FA Cup is appointed by the FA. And therefore there is a degree of independence. But uh, you know, I thought John Moss got into the spirit of of the Kidamins the West Ham game brilliantly. Mm. Let it flow. Didn't didn't want to steal the glory. Didn't want to take a a sort of interfering role. He just he just measured it, read it well. Um it didn't have as much pace as you would normally see in, as you would with two Premier League teams. As a result of that, his positioning was uh, pretty good. I think he refereed that game really well. And it was tough on Kidemist. I mean, it, full house. Um, just the atmosphere, even on through television, looked brilliant. Um, and, um, you know, they took it to extra time and they were almost good at the point where everybody's saying well let's have a cup of tea it's going to penalty kicks when West Ham scored uh from an error really so i think they've gone away Killerminster, uh, happy that they've got some extra cash in the in the kitty but i are probably disappointed that they didn't uh, you know they didn't get the result that they might have thought if it had mm. gone to penalty kicks and of course, to it's a test of your fitness as well extra time isn't it well there's another thing because certainly when you have a cup game, um, it's a little bit like a boxer. you think you're going to re- knock somebody out in the ter- second or third round, but you've always got to say you might go 10 or 12 rounds and therefore is that, that there has to be that, that measurement of conservation of time and energy whenever you, whenever you can. but mm. no I think it was just a lot of honest endeavor. Anthony Taylor, I thought also refereed really well. So there were some good performances which is really positive to see.
0: Well, let's talk about uh, Anthony Taylor's match, actually, from Friday night, Manchester united Mm. Middlesbrough. Uh, The heated debate has been over the Middlesbrough equaliser from Matt Crooks because there is an accidental handball by Watmore in the build-up. So he gets the ball, there's an accidental handball, Matt Crooks scores, and there's a lot of debate over whether that goal should have stood or not. In law, they've made exactly the right call, haven't they, Keith?
1: Absolutely. Um, and I think it's good. Uh, it shows a shortfall because, you know, this law was introduced and refined at the beginning of the season by the IFAB. Um, how well they communicated to the media uh, and to the clubs and the players is, you know, there's a question still to be answered there. Um, but, you know, there wasn't that many law changes. So I think they could have got that one over a bit stronger. The reality is that um, last season, that accidental handball and then passed to a colleague who scores, the goal would have been ruled out. And to simplify it, they took that out of the equation. What they said was it really has to be the, uh, the, the player who's last scored the goal, the one that scores the goal, if he accidentally or she accidentally handles, then that's the goal ruled out. I think there's a bigger discussion that, that was centred around, was it accidental? But I think all of us generally, not all of us, there's, there's still a lot of people arguing about the fact. I think the judgment was, was sound by Anthony Taylor. You know, as a, as a FIFA international referee and a guy who's potentially a mark like Michael Olley for the, for the World Cup coming up, he will have attended lots of workshops And those types of incidents will have been discussed. So quick on him to recognise it, all the VAR did was obviously check whether in fact on a replay it it was accidental and they deemed it accidental. So the whole scenario was dealt with pretty quickly um, and and a good outcome in that sense. Do you think there's any
0: possibility that the IFAB will look at that again? Uh, and and say okay, so we've had had it so that you know an accidental handball from uh, the person who assists the goal is no longer going to be penalised. It's difficult to find a way of writing that back into law because it's one of those decisions that we talk at sometimes on this podcast about what football expects. Yes, and it, it felt slightly like it shouldn't be a goal, and yet it was. Um, but, you know, again, it's right in the law as it is, but it it seemed one of those decisions where it didn't quite feel right.
1: No, I think that uh, I understand the discussion because, uh, you know, I have sort of faced a lot of social media questions also about that particular incident, because the argument coming through is, just a minute, his arm was extended considerably away from his body, and therefore he'd made his arm bigger. But we also have to consider the other aspects, and that is movement of the hand to ball. Was it there? And I would like a law change because I would like more emphasis back to where the law used to be before they started tinkering, and that was the word deliberate. Mm. And therefore, in that sense, I think it would help. I, I, you know, accidental handball for me should not be penalized at all. Because I think it is accidental in that sense. What, what the IFAB tried to do was make the game, if you like, and the re- for the referee easier because, you know, it could distinguish hopefully between the two. Uh, but sometimes it's not that easy. And there is a discussion. And, you know, maybe they should review and see how they can further improve that aspect of law. But yeah. I think we're going to talk about offsides and interfering with an opponent, Mike, and that—that that is a minefield. Oh
0: yes, well we're gonna we're gonna skip <laughs> merrily towards that minefield very very shortly, Keith. Uh, just on the accidental handball, there was a great spot uh, by Darren Bond in the whole yes. uh, Preston game at the weekend. Alan Brown—it took me until the third or fourth replay to to spot that that had happened, but um, yeah, eagle-eyed. Uh, from the official there and um, credit where credit's due on that one too?
1: Well, I think that the one thing that really is in his favour and that was his positioning, uh, and we've talked about this viewing angle on many occasions, um, he moved. You could see that slight movement to get that view uh, and that's anticipation and good reading of the game. I thought it was a brilliant decision. I, I like you, um, had to have a couple of looks and then a third one to to confirm. So, you know, it was was a top-class decision from the referee. Congratulations to Darren Bond on that.
0: So, uh, offside then and interfering with play and when you become active. Uh, Let's take a deep breath and then uh, work our way into this one. Uh, Birmingham-Sheffield United, a 2-1 win uh, uh, for the Blades at St Andrews on Friday night. A lot of controversy, though, from a Birmingham perspective and Major Lee Bowie was not happy at all by something that happened in the build-up to a Sheffield United goal. There's a long ball over the top. If you've not seen this, we'll send a a video with the show notes. But essentially, Billy Sharp is running through. There's a debate about whether he's offside or not. uh, And in running through, the ball's hit way too long. It's going to the goalkeeper. But the goalkeeper is then forced to rush a clearance which then is given away to Sheffield United quite quickly and within a few seconds, Sheffield United have scored. Birmingham obviously furious about it. They think, well, Billy Sharp should be flagged offside. He's interfering with play. There is a dispute as to whether he's offside or not. To be honest, there's not a brilliant angle on this. But the question is more fundamental than that: Let's say Billy Sharp was two yards offside and we take that bit out of the debate. Is forcing the goalkeeper into a hurried clearance enough to say that you're interfering with an opponent, interfering with play, key.
1: The whole aspect of when they started tinkering around with the offside law, and they've done that several times over recent years, what they quite rightly discussed and considered was the psychological impact of a player on an opponent. <clears throat> and I think they determined that they couldn't measure that and referees couldn't enforce the law in in guessing, or, you know, did he actually have that intention of doing that? So as a result of that, there were slight modifications, and, you know, we we looked at, and they talked about, first of all, the flight path of the ball. And even I asked the question uh, before we implemented the law, was the flight path just the... The diameter of the ball itself or was it a wider aspect was that path in which a player was standing in an offside position was that sufficient to actually uh, rule out a goal for interfering because the offside law was acting as an additional defender in a sense there were too many goals getting ruled out so they, they started playing around with it um, so it's difficult for the referee in terms of the Billy Sharp situation because what the goalkeeper's got to do is do his job, and his job is to stop the ball going in the back of the net. And there may be consequences of of Sharp's movement, um, but he didn't play the ball. And then the question is, was he in the flight path, if you like that that channel that prevented the goalkeeper from having a vision? or viewing the ball
0: i can tell you categorically no is the answer to that question yeah
1: and therefore as as a result i can now understand why he wasn't um flagged offside you know this 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 we had one some years ago which i disagreed vehemently with with the ifab when they were saying that, that there's a shot on goal and the defender jumps over that the, the offside player jumps over it in an offside position. It goes through. He's not offside. And I'm going, don't believe it. So the whole aspect is, is he in the flight path, right, that is that preventing the vision of the goalkeeper seeing the ball? And then... It,
0: yeah, and so how, how wide is that channel? If, you, if you're refereeing this, you know, I mean, uh, in maybe in the Championship, it's very, very different from on a Sunday afternoon
1: in the park. But yeah, um, I, you,
0: what what should you be thinking about
1: when you're I, considering I, that? I, that, that I, I think... Sphere of influence, it's, if you like. It's a great question, yeah. I, I think that what you have to do is you have to ask yourself, did the flight of the ball, that player that's in an offside position, did he become active because he was interfering with the vision of the goalkeeper the goalkeeper can't use that player that's in an offside position as an excuse to not attempt to make a save right and therefore it's it's um certainly an area of debate and discussion the other thing that still comes up mike on a fairly regular basis is seeking to gain advantage and they go oh just a minute he's in an offside position he's seeking to gain an advantage Uh, The the law, again, was changed because they said, right, gaining an advantage is the word. And let's assume that a player is in an offside position. He's not interfering with play. The ball hits the goalkeeper and comes out or it hits the crossbar upright and comes out. And that player is in that offside position when the shot was made. He has now gained an advantage from being in that offside position and he's, he's flagged offside. And it's another aspect of law that you rarely see, but it does happen. And and therefore, you know, I think the debate around law eleven offside will continue forever. I don't think it'll and you know, and I think we've got more coming up because of course FIFA are now examining and exhibiting and, if you like, are intending to operate an automated refereeing offside scenario, uh, a robotic approach to making offside decisions. That's gonna be interesting and that's gonna fall. We're gonna spend weeks discussing that in the future, Mike. I, I,
0: yes, I, I think we certainly are, um, I, and uh, you know, I, I'm I'm mentally preparing for that weekend when we first do it. Um, perhaps when it comes up, is, is it the Club World Cup where this is going to be trialed a little bit? Actually, we might get our first sort of glimpse of it because this is going to be sort of majorly launched in the World Cup. We are not far away from actually seeing this we're, in, we're not. in huge um, games.
1: That's right, and uh, I think they've also announced that it, they'll trial it at Chelsea. Um, also, now I don't know if that's friendly matches. You don't know. I mean, there's all sorts of weird images going up now. What's this robot going to look like? I think we've got this guy who thinks, well, okay, fine, he's going to be running up and down a line with a flag in his hand and put it up. I don't think that's the case. I think we're going to see this uh, electronic version that's going to convince us that the decision they've made is an accurate one. Mm. Uh, I think to accommodate a change, there has to be a change in law and this can be a further step of making life very difficult for the referee in the local park. You know, we, we, we often talk, and we talk frequently about referees giving up the, giving up the whistle, giving up the flag um, because of abuse. But I think sometimes that abuse comes from the fact that certain laws, like the offside law, on a local park with, sometimes without, with club linesmen only they're expecting the same quality of decision on offside that they see in the Premier League. They're not going to get that. And I think that offside decision-making for a grassroots referee is particularly difficult.
0: Now, one thing I, I want to raise with you is because last week uh, we spoke about uh, an abuse of an assistant referee uh, and, and you said, look, you know, maybe referees should consider taking players off the pitch if fans are getting on the pitch or there is abuse and it needs to stop. Well, this weekend in League One, a game was stopped for 10 minutes after, I'm reading the BBC article here, a barrage of abuse, including racism, was said to be directed towards the opposition. I should go on to say there is now a police investigation about what exactly was said. Uh, Referee Ross Joyce took Morecambe and Bolton players off the pitch on 88 minutes... Uh, Morecambe said they're aware of the allegations and will investigate. Uh, And this is the Bolton uh, boss, Ian Evarts His quote to BBC radio, Manchester from minute one, the barrage of abuse from directly behind the dugout was astonishing, no protection, encroachment spitting. And it takes the worst of all remarks, a racist remark for somebody to stand up and do something about it. So the players taken off for 10 minutes, uh, Bolton eventually equalizing in the 104th minute uh, of that game. Um, it, it, it's well. I mean, it's, it's a huge step for a referee to take to to take well, players off.
1: Um, I'm a great admirer of Ross, Ross Joyce. Um, you know, I think as a referee, he's making great strides as a, a referee communicator, trainer, educator. I think he's one of the top guys in the country currently. He's he's promoting in North Yorkshire that. You know, young referees to come through, um, stay in the game. He's doing everything that I think the FA nationally should copy. Uh, So I think that he's taken a route and I think he's taken a sensible route because the outcome was the game did finish. And so therefore I think that I praise the fact that he's not ignored it. I, I don't think you can ignore it. I think action's got to be taken. We've got to stop these Pitch invasions. Um, You know, we've got to stop uh, the abuse towards match officials and players. It's unseemly. It's not good for the game. You know, you can have a banter. You can question a decision without being abusive. You you know, I'm not taking away your right as a fan to be biased against for your own team. I I mean, look, that's football. We never want to change that. Just take a little bit of care of in terms of what you're going to shout, how you shout it. If you're coming on the field, Mike, um, you're going to finish up not seeing football for a long time. Yeah. Well,
0: there's the Leicester City, uh, I, I hesitate to use the word fan, but someone who was in the away end uh, at the City ground who is facing now a life ban from, from Leicester City after coming onto the pitch after Forrest, I think, scored their third goal. Uh, unless Leicester City have, have strongly come out condemning that. I don't know the fate of the fan at Rotherham United's New York Stadium who came onto the pitch very late on in that game. It was 1-0 uh, to Rotherham United at the time. There is a handball on the line from Richard Wood. A fan then runs onto the pitch before the penalty kick is taken, kicks the ball off the spot, um, assaults Accrington's penalty taker, and then eventually is stopped on the halfway line by Rotherham United's Michael Smith before eventually being apprehended by stewards. I mean, this is such a, a dicey situation once you get fans... Because you don't know what yeah. they're going to do, Pete, uh, no. uh, Keith, you know,
1: I, in terms think, of getting on the pitch. I, I think effectively what you've got to do is you've got trained stewards who discuss and are trained to deal with these problems. Hopefully you've got a, a spattering of police in the stadium, although that seems to be less now in terms of football. Uh, But, you know, who knows? I think the club's likely to be uh, having to pay some money to bring more police into the grounds if it continues to escalate uh, these acts of abuse and and these types of incidents where a fan comes on. Um, There's no excuse for it. And, you know, ultimately, from a player's point of view and a match official's point of view, I just guard against the fact that a player should get anywhere near these players. Don't try and be the hero to wrestle the guy to the ground or even try and attempt to stop them. Mm. Just take a a position that is neutral. You might shout verbally uh, or the captain might be designated to shout verbally to ask the player or the the fan, sorry, to to leave the field of play. But, you know, the ultimate thing is he could be carrying something that uh, may do harm to a particular player or the match official. I, I fear about this, and that's why I think we've discussed it fairly regularly on, on this scenario, in on this programme. We've got to stop it at the top level. We've got to stop it at grassroots level, for sure.
0: Um, one more about that incident. Sometimes when you see, and I don't think I've asked you about this before, Keith, sometimes when you see a, a penalty awarded for a handball on the line, almost the the denial of a certain goal. And Accrington did go on to miss that penalty, by the way, uh, in that game at the New York Stadium. Whether or not the punishment for that particular crime should just be, uh, for want of a better phrase, a penalty goal. Um, I mean, we saw it famously in the World Cup in 2010 yeah. and then that penalty missed when uh, Luis Suarez handled on the on the line and that saw Uruguay go through eventually to the World Cup semi-final. Um, you, you see it from time to time during seasons and this debate crops up whenever you see an incident like that. And I, and I didn't want, know what your stance was on, on a penalty goal being something that might be appropriate as a sanction in future.
1: Well, um, I watched the... Uh penalty shootout between uh, Manchester United and Middlesbrough and you you saw very clearly a, a professional player, a young professional player, um, miss from the penalty mark and that's what players do. So I think if a player deliberately handles the ball on the line that denies an obvious goal in that situation the sanction is a penalty kick and a red card, the team go down to 10 men. So I, th- I think that's sufficient punishment. I worry about penalty goals. <laughs> I, 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 I just put myself in that position because, you know, I, I watched rugby this week and I, I I continue to be, you know, thinking, crikey, the players behave so, so much better at rugby. Uh, they they thump each other and they do violent things towards each other. That's part of the game. Uh, But the one thing is that they respect the referee. And there was an incident where this week the ball was uh, kicked towards the corner and the England player, I think it was an England player, jumped up and palmed the ball out of play deliberately uh, as a deliberate play. And in that situation, um, what he's probably done is he stopped a a potential try for sure. So I don't argue about that. But the referee then runs in between the posts and just gives the penalty try. I, I can understand it. It does work in rugby. So to answer your question, let's give it a try.
0: Oh, okay. First, this might be a first on this podcast. I've actually convinced you maybe to change a law. Well, uh, okay. I, so, I, I, and yeah. I, I, I guess the difficulty of this is we can all think of an example where it's so obviously going to go in the goal. But there are going to be countless more examples that we'll see throughout a season where you will have a debate about whether the ball is definitely heading in or not. Um, and that, is surely where this will cause more problems maybe than it solves. And I guess we'd have to try it out to find out whether that would actually be an issue.
1: Well, let me give you a scenario then uh, to balance it up because I'm all for one to try to keep players on the field of play. So let us agree this, Mike. Okay. We will award a penalty penalty goal and we will issue a yellow card to the offending player. I'm Shall we go with, with that. that?
0: Yeah, I, I'm happy with that. Okay, well, let's see what everyone else thinks. Hello at seenthemgiven.co.uk is our email address if you want to get in touch with the show. Um, let us know what you think about penalty goals and anything else you see in the world of refereeing. And uh, of course, if uh, it's anything that comes up during the week that we miss, please do uh, get in touch and uh, and we will uh, do our best uh, to read out your comments and uh, we'll take it from there um keith as always thank you Pleasure so much for, for being with us and um as i say if you're listening to the show right to the end you're one of our super fans which is great make sure you leave a rating or a review wherever it is you get your podcasts and uh, it will help other people discover the show uh, we will see you then next time